We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast. I'm Pete, joined by Darius. And the Lakers split a pair of games uh, since you last heard from us. First, they went to Utah. LeBron did not play. And despite a really good offensive showing, it was actually so good that it was uh, pretty encouraging. I want to talk about it a little more, D. But despite that, they gave up uh, 132 points, including a lot of free throws in that uh, in the second half. It was also the second consecutive game that Cam Reddish started but did not finish. And so he also missed the OKC game. Lakers get a 112-105 victory. Lakers defend okay. I thought some of that bad luck on three-point shooting, uh, we were finally on the good side of it. I thought OKC missed a a decent number of looks. It was their season high in terms of three-point attempts. But the Lakers got a good win against OKC, six guys in double figures D. The Lakers returned to the starting lineup that began this season, and they at least kept up on offense. I certainly have my concerns on the boards and defensively, but uh, Lakers get a good win against OKC. And just what were your thoughts from that game and just the weekend in general? It's interesting because the Lakers have not been playing well overall, but when you're not playing well, it can sometimes disguise the things that you do do well. And the fact that the Lakers' margin for error has been so slim, it means that you can play a good game and still lose because that's just NBA basketball. The Utah game was a perfect example of that. The Lakers didn't play perfect by any means. And it's funny because that comment that LeBron had after the Toronto game, when he got asked about the free throw discrepancy in the second half, and he basically said, like, I thought that they fouled. And we didn't. Similar could be said for the Jazz game. The Lakers were committing some fouls. Now, they also got called for some fouls that I thought were questionable fouls. But it's like the way that the game was going, Utah's guards were just like, we're going to try to go through you on every single possession. Obviously part of the game plan, yes. Yes, and even off the ball, I thought Utah's guards were being super physical off the ball. And that's where I started to be a little bit like, hey, you should call this both ways a little bit. Because if LeBron throws a dude to the ground or just shoves him off in order to get open, like, that's probably not going to go over well. Anyways, 
the Jazz game was a game where like AD didn't play well and the Lakers lost, or at least didn't shoot well. I thought he was actually he was phenomenal in other aspects, but his shot making was poor. And on a night without LeBron, and you're giving up a buck thirty two. Yeah, that was a killer. Yeah, five for twenty one from AD. If he has a normal night. I thought some of that was related to the Jazz. Like, they double-teamed him a ton. Mm -hmm. It's a reason why he had, I think, a career high in assists. Had a triple-double despite the... Yeah, and it was his first triple-double with assists, right? So he's only got a couple of triple-doubles in in his career. The other one was, I guess, on blocks. (laughs) Anthony Davis, man. Such a player. Anyways... He got a lot of double teams this that, weekend. He, he, uh, that wasn't just the Utah game. Uh, OKC threw that at him, too. And he's gotten so much better as a as a playmaker out of the post. All season. Mm-hmm. He's been getting double teamed all season. Like Maybe not all season. That's an exaggeration. But for the last 20 games, 25 games, it's been a steady part of team's defensive diet against him. It may not be as frequent as what we saw against Utah and and against Oklahoma City, but teams are doubling him. And they are one of the things, and this is a whole different pod, but like he's turning and facing and absorbing the double team so much better than what he's done in the past. And I actually think the Lakers spacing is helping him in this way. And the and where the cuts are coming from is super helpful to him. But I thought the Jazz game was a totally winnable game that the Lakers lost. In fact, they led in the first half by a bunch and the second half it got away from them because of not as friendly a whistle, but also the Jazz's aggression just, just caught up to them in the lack of shot making from AD. The Thunder game is an interesting game, Pete, because I think that the Lakers are proving themselves to be a very specific type of team that can bother top-level teams who are constructed a certain way. And it's like, OKC doesn't have the dudes to defend Anthony Davis really like one-on-one. They don't really have the dudes to protect the basket against LeBron James drives when Chet Holmgren isn't in the game. And they tried to play, a, they, they tried to go to Jay Williams, the big, they tried to go to him after AD got Chet in foul trouble and that was a disaster for them. And they basically never went back to him and they just played small the rest of the night. And that gummed up some things for the Lakers and their zone was active and they had good, good hands inside. But after a while, LeBron was just like, I'm going to score inside. I'm like, you're going to single cover me or play a zone. I'm, we're going to manipulate the floor spacing and I'm just going to get to the basket. And so what'd you see from the Thunder game specifically? Because I was just like, oh, another game where the Lakers are sort of down on their luck but they beat the second best team in the conference by playing a very specific style of basketball. It actually wasn't just specific to the Thunder game. I also saw it in in the Utah game in that both teams kind of fit that same description in terms of not having a guy. The guys that they have that have the size to compete with Anthony Davis don't have the foot speed. And that's the real uh, Sophie's choice that he forces teams into is that you can either deal with his size and, and, uh, you know, have him run a, run past you when he's at his best, or he can physically overwhelm you. And both Utah and OKC are teams that he can physically overwhelm, including a, a, a phenomenal young player in Chet. He just doesn't have enough in his back, po- back pocket. And Holmgren, after the game, was talking about how, like, w- about the challenge of playing the Lakers and the idea of how they hit you and they really come to hit you. And if you aren't ready to hit them back, they're going to manhandle you. And so that is something that the Lakers have that advantage with AD on 
almost every night. And on nights that they don't, their advantage is other places. And we've gotten so much better D at manipulating that. And one of the reasons that AD gets doubled as often as he does is I don't think he's handled it particularly well in the past, but that's been directly tied to our spacing and off ball and weak side action, not being very good off of that. Now, I think it's okay, but one of the things like with having Vando coming off of the bench, I think makes things for the starters a little bit easier in terms of spacing. And I think that's what Darwin spoke to after the game was that he, you know, wanted to have put skill around his captains, as he said. Now, again, I'm, I'm concerned about the rebounding and the, physical ability of other teams to go through you. OKC is pretty low on the scale of physicality teams, and that's part of the reason why we've beaten them twice. But I would push back against that a oh, little please, bit please just do. in terms of like the wing, J-Dub. Yes, Jeez. J-Dub. Yeah, he's the guy where it's like, who's going to guard tank. him? Yeah, it was like Torian on. Even mm-hmm. Sh- yeah. And even Shea. Shea's like a power point guard, and if you don't deal with him appropriately, he is going to jack you up and he's going to get to his spots. Now he's not finishing at the basket, but he's just like, Hey man, like I'm shedding you and I'm just getting to whatever spot I want on the floor. Sort of like guard Kawhi to a certain extent. I'm really glad that that you brought that up because that is where we face our physicality challenges. But that's something that D'Lo after the Utah game was talking about when we seem to have enough offense on the floor, we can't bring enough defense. And when we have enough defense, we can't seem to have enough offense. One of the things that I really landed on from watching last night's game and I think this was sort of a consensus and consensus in the thread was this feels like the right nine guys in terms of I'm not I don't think and I've been happy with Cam from the respect of he's a vet men guy that I think he can help this team but I don't think there's another team in the league where he'd be getting 24 minutes per game and so just throughout the the game last night, it was like, this feels like a good group. And so I'm excited to see what they what they do for a little bit, depending on how long Cam is out. And I do think Cam can fit in, especially with those bench groups, because Darvin said, this is probably going to be the starters for a bit. Yes. And I think that having a tight nine-man rotation where everyone knows they're going to be in the rotation and they're at least going to get like a shift or potentially two shifts, I think that that's just a good establishing of rhythm for all of the guys we were chatting with mike a little bit and he was saying like not only does this feel like the right nine guys but the minutes distribution felt they're closer sure yeah it felt about right for the most part it's like these groupings make sense the guys on the court are playing relatively well together um i like the sort of change in tone that comes when the bench units come in and it's like, here's Vando and Rui after like a bunch of skill on the court. Here's a couple of like hammers totally that different are going to come yep. in and it's not like more of the same. It's definitely like we can shape shift a little bit, which is what the Lakers have been over the AD and LeBron era. It, it's it's how they've been their best. It's like we can do this and then mm-hmm. a new group of guys come in and now we can do that. And then sometimes even a new group of mix comes in and we could do this other thing, too. And the Lakers at the best, I think, are going to have to be that sor- sort of team, because if they only try to be the skill team, teams are going to hammer them. And if they only try to be the big team, teams are going to run around them. Yeah. And I think finding the proper balance within games and against specific opponents is going to be super important. So let's go to break here, Pete. And when we come back, I want to hit all of this stuff a little bit more. 
So one of my goals right now is to eat better, but in the thick of the NBA season, that can be hard to do. So I recently joined Factor, and Factor is America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service to help me do that. They can help you fuel up fast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track for your healthy lifestyle. Choose from 35-plus weekly, flavor-packed, fresh and never-frozen meals that support a healthy lifestyle and meet your meal preferences, all delivered right to your door and ready to eat in two minutes. And you can enjoy the extra convenience at any time of day with an assortment of 45-plus add-ons to suit various preferences and tastes. Head to Factormeals.com slash LakerFilm50 and use code LakerFilm50, all one word, to get 50% off. That's code LakerFilm50 at Factormeals.com slash LakerFilm50 to get 50% off. So I was really excited about our offense this weekend. And one of the things that was really noticeable at the beginning of the season with the switch to five out is the Lakers still very much had a four out mentality with the ball in their hands again. And what that means is you're looking to dribble penetrate. It's not a lot of possessions that have a ton of passes. You're looking to, to compromise the defense off of the dribble. And that is not as useful in five out spacing because of the, of the shrunken type of driving lanes. And Watching the Lakers have so many zero and one pass possessions over and over again, game after game, and then being like, hey, these guys don't practice a whole ton is like if you're just going to run ball screens and ISO type of stuff, might as well go back to the four out spacing and give yourself the advantage of the the broader type of lanes. But good five out basketball is ball movement. It's player movement. It's cutting. It's coordinated basketball, much more so than four out is. and having gotten all the way to, I think a week or two ago, I was like, might as well just switch back to four out, you know? And right when I got to that point, D, seeing the offense, like, oh, we're starting to set more screens off of the ball. We're starting to run split cuts. Part of that action, there was a great layup for Wood in back-to-back games uh, this weekend off of action from from the elbow where AD's got the ball in the post and AD uh, Wood fakes a screen and dives off of that. There's so much cool stuff that we can be doing at Rui being back, D'Lo being back, especially in the starting lineup and facilitating a lot of this. But to me, if you look at that starting lineup and how can they be effective, Mike asked D'Lo about this in the post game yesterday. And he talked about playing high-level basketball. And what that means to me is the it's the mental game and that's the place where Delo especially can be legitimately elite he can see things that other guys don't see set things up that other guys can't and so it's to me five, good five out basketball is a matter of creating a small advantage and then leveraging that a little bit more a little bit more a little bit more until the ball swung to that open guy and we are doing that so much better rather than looking to take the first shot that I'm so encouraged by that D that we didn't handle their zone particularly well against OKC but I mean our our just straight up man offense I'm really encouraged seeing a type of play that I was hoping to see from five out earlier that has not really been there and so seeing that progress I'm super excited about that so 31 assists last night on 43 made baskets the type of ball movement that you were talking about there was a play that stands out to me where the ball had swung around the court and it found prince in the right corner and he could have taken a three. It would have been 
semi-contested, but he ripped through and he ripped baseline for the drive. He euros back to the middle and it looks like he's about to take a shot, but he doesn't. He flings the ball to the corner where I think it's D'Lo there who started some of the action initially, right? And then D'Lo gets an open three that that he buries. And it really was like swing, swing, attack a closeout, rip through, collapse the defense. AD's right there and he's he's drawing attention and suddenly it's D'Lo back again on the other side getting a wide open basket. And one of the things that I appreciate about having D'Lo and Austin back in the game together while playing with LeBron and AD these four together don't have a positive net rating during the regular season. I think they're minus 2.4 or something like that when they share the court. But I would argue a lot of that comes from, A, like not being good enough on defense against teams that hunt them a certain amount. But B, it comes from all those minutes earlier in the season where they weren't always together in what they were trying to do offensively. And I think that getting to second and third side actions, third side shots are going to be super important for this Lakers team. And it's finally starting to click more. I think you could probably go back even a couple of weeks and you would find pockets of games where you're just like, ah, like I see it. Sure. And then you'd have these moments again where it's like they're, driving into traffic and turning the ball over. And Austin had another one of those last night too, where he overpenetrated, got in the air and threw the ball away. And it's sort of like, what are we doing? And AD had mentioned this, like after the Suns game, he's just like, we got to be stronger with the ball. We got to have better ball security. And the Suns game was like this, this horrible, like, oh, 19 turnovers, 30 points off, off turnover, something crazy, right? And it's like, if the Lakers stop shooting themselves in the foot. And this is the thing about a five out offense too. It's just like, because you are encouraged to spray the ball around a little bit, like you are going to spray the ball around and sometimes the other team is going to get it. And if you're not playing as coordinated as you need to be, it will be problematic. One of the things I wanted to talk to you about, or at least mention here, is I went back to December And I was just like, you know, we see how often the Lakers practice or don't practice or shoot around. And it's not something that that we talked about a ton. But what I have noticed is that this month in January, they have not been practicing so much more than what they did last month, but they have been shooting around so much more on game day. And I'm wondering, do you think that that's making a difference in what the team is doing offensively? Because it feels like they're looking more organized right at the time that they're getting more coordinated court time together, even if it's not full out practices. Just those walkthroughs are super important. Those shoot arounds are not something where guys are running full speed or anything like that. But that level of, okay, we're going to run this, you know, they're vulnerable against this and we're going to run this veer action uh, to beat their drop, you know, and get a good bucket or get get a good look out of it that that requires again that that time on the court that I think it's super valuable can we get all the way to where we need to go I don't know again this is me being encouraged that we're we look like a five out team does for the first time uh like a decent five out team does for the first time but we still have a lot of uh places we need to go with that that said 
a lot of coaches believe in what I call weak link theory, meaning that you're only as good on offense as your worst player on offense and only as good on defense as your worst player on defense. And offensively, that starting group, I think, has several guys. That, that's the thing that D'Lo, Austin, and, and Prince have in common. And Prince does this as an off-ball player. D'Lo does this as an on-ball player. And Austin is somewhere in between the two. D'Lo can be off-ball in this respect too. But in terms of knowing the five stations in the five out, but then the the dunker spot spots, the elbow spots, but just like what is the action in this particular circumstance with the defense, the way that it is, that's going to beat the defense. All of them read that really well. And Austin had a great quote yesterday. He was talking like, it's not, what, what did he say? It's, it's not just like playground ball, but it is a read and react type of style of, of basketball that I think that all three of them have that in common that, if they're going to be that small D, they got to be really good on the offensive end. And I think that we're starting to show some, kind of the, the first signs that they can be that with that group. My question for you is, though, how the heck can with the starting group, how can we hang in physically and not get out rebounded, which we even did in that OKC game? So let's take a break. Talk a little bit more about how the Lakers can survive on the defensive end. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So rebounding is one of the reasons why this group got disbanded earlier during the year, right? They simply weren't rebounding the ball. Against OKC, I thought there were a couple of like long, it's mostly long rebounds that I feel like are, are me, giving dude. the Lakers. Yes, it, it's been all year. Right? And it's not one. So, sorry. No, please, please, please. No, no, Ryan. no. This, it just bothers me seeing the same <laughs> the same mistake get beat the same way over and over again. And especially with this style of defense that we'll play with this group, which I think is a little more conservative, give up open threes, which we were fine with yesterday because a lot of them didn't go in. But keeping them in front of you and making them shoot jump shots, where's the ball going to go? It's going to bounce out to the three-point line. And so seeing that mistake yeah. over and over and over again is is a killer. And I've never seen a team do anything significant with that level of rebounding out of their starters. I just haven't. Well, it's going to be interesting because they are going to have to rely on LeBron to rebound a little bit more with this group. Um, one of the reasons why I like playing bigger is because the ask on LeBron there is like he can get his seven rebounds, but all seven don't need to be of consequence. Whereas when he 
when he's required to rebound, he may only get seven rebounds again, but like five of those might be contested rebounds. And it's just like, we need you in there battling a little bit more. The long rebounds, I just think that there's a couple of guys, Prince is like this. He's, his instinct is not to go to the glass when he's far away from the basket. When Prince is inside and he's actually connected to a player, he will box out. Mm -hmm. When, when it's like, my guy is on me and I'm in there scrapping, Prince doesn't fold. Right, he but will when he's already down there, yes, he'll he'll box out when he's down there, but he's not big enough at that point to to matter that much. Sure. It's actually the long rebounds where we where we need him because he can track him down. This isn't just a Prince thing. I'm not picking on him, by the way, but he is no, our no, no. three, quote unquote, in that group. He is. And of the three guards, Austin seems to have the best nose for like, I'm gonna get in there and I'm gonna I'm going to come backside. I'm going to box out. I'm going to try to chase down a long rebound. Austin's the best of the three at that. But D'Lo and Prince both oscillate between how much they look up court first and how much they actually look back to try and go get the ball. And both of them need to be better about just looking at the shot, go up, and then tracking the long rebound. D'Lo's been doing it more than Prince has. Prince is good at like, oh, the ball is going this way. Let me like chase it down a little bit. But he's not good at like being active off of the ball coming off of the rim. There was one early possession where it felt a little bit like bad luck, like AD mistimed his jump and the ball sort of went towards the elbow. AD mistimed his jump. But even Prince was just sort of watching AD and then Prince could have went and got that ball, but he thought AD was going to get it, so he didn't even move. And then OKC recovers the ball. They shoot the ball again. And then that was the one where it's just like, oh, they're just out hustling the Lakers to a long rebound. And then on the third shot, they get an open three that that they make. And I think every single time they got a third shot on a possession, they made a three. <laughs> Right? I was like, and I, it was yelling like, curse words at my TV, man. And this won't be the last time. That's why times. I bring this up. It won't be the last time that, that this happens with with that group. And like, I don't know, man. It's it, it it's tough to win that way. It is, and this is where you'd like to have if if Darwin's going to go all in on the direction of having like three, if having skill guys around his two superstars, right? LeBron and AD. Then you'd love to have a more physical dude at the three spot. Like you, you, like you just would someone who moves more like Prince, but is a little bit more Rui size. Yeah. This is like, the conundrum of the, of the coaches, by the way, because Prince did a really good job on SGA. I thought that just from a, a team effort standpoint, like you don't expect Prince to be able to stay in front of him but the next thing that a defender can do is influence in a certain direction and I, and I thought that yeah. Prince is a, a professional defender and so he's gonna execute within the scheme and I he did a great job of doing that last night but that's the conundrum for the coaches D is can you be fast enough to keep up with a perimeter type of player considering you're not asking Austin or D'Lo to guard the other team's best guy well you're asking for a pretty fast guy considering the the guy the SGAs the De'Aaron Foxes is all of the shot creators around the league and all of the high quality guards you got to be pretty fast to stick stick with them being able to do that and rebound at the same time is difficult it's 
Vando is one of the few guys that I think is uh, is equipped to do that. But it, but a guy like Prince, right, he can execute within the, the overall scheme and stay in front. So I understand his utility in that respect, D. But uh, I yeah, I, I just go back to, to the rebounding that we're going to have a ton of difficulty with that. I want to pivot to the bench. What did you think about like Vando and Rui? And Vando looks as healthy as he's looked all season. I thought Vando was really good on mm-hmm. FBA. I thought Rui looking more comfortable offensively. He had been in a shooting slump from from three, but but he hit a couple against OKC. That's important for spacing purposes. Um, I also thought Rui was as active as he's been on the back line defensively in in a long time. He had a couple of uh, weak side blocks. He had some good rebounds on the backside. We talked about it earlier about this being sort of the right nine. Um, well, part of that is that Vando and Rui are in the mix and they're, and I thought that they played well and it reflected in their plus minus numbers too. Very much so. And one of the things I love about that group uh, that's ending first and third quarters now is Vando's kind of at the two in those groups. It's Rui, AD. Wood did not play in the first and third quarters against OKC, which I think is the right decision. They challenge your your foot speed to a degree where the two big lineup was not as uh, as useful in, in against them. But a lot of in a lot of those groups, Vando is at the two and you've got just size across the board that there's also complementary skills from an offensive standpoint where that that to me is the the last not the last because it's a big one but figuring out what to do with Vando in the half court I think there's a certain degree of your shots at the rim are going to be harder and so are theirs <laughs> when Vando's in the game but having bigs like Rui and Wood next to him can uh, spacing the floor I think are are super important with respect to Rui he provides so much of the force on this team around the basket. I love how he was, you talked about him being great on the back line defensively, D. I thought the way he's sweeping the baseline and hunt, cutting into mid-range looks, he's really important, especially in this environment where AD is drawing a lot of double teams. Rui can really hunt off of that and can fill the lane in transition. Lakers were great on the fast break, I thought, uh, in terms of getting out in transition against OKC, which is not a battle that you might expect them to win against them. And I don't think we've been that great in transition overall, but Rui's a big part of that. And so Rui provides a lot of the force. And so that's really the thing that I come back to with those two D, with Rui and Vando, is that they are not Torian Prince in terms of skill and being able to, well, Rui at least not being able to chase guys along the perimeter. Vando can do that, but obviously comes with great complications on the offensive end. But I do think that they provide just a certain level of of force that is really helpful on this Lakers team that has backcourt guys that are not quite as forceful and LeBron in year 21, yada, yada, right? That it, I think it, it it becomes, uh, that their presence um, on both ends of the floor from a force perspective has been super helpful. Yeah, there was that group in the, I think it was the start of the fourth quarter where LeBron, AD, and Rui were all in. Um, mm-hmm. And Vando was in too. Yep. And I think it was Austin and they played zone and Vando was at the top of the zone and he got a couple of steals. Yeah. And it's just like his activity is super important. And this is where him sort of lurking weak side and being a guy who can take away at the top of the key, but also dip down and be a sort of roamer Mm -hmm. on the backside of the zone. I think that's that's a that's an interesting idea. I'm so glad you brought up the zone, too, because I think that that is one of the potential solutions for the coaches of the 
Other guys that are bigger don't quite have the foot speed, and that's the the pitch that Darvin's going to. That the last couple of games, there's certainly a great deal of, of kinks to work out, but it's some of the best zone that we've played. And I do think that with yeah. having both Vando and AD are rule breakers defensively in ways where if you're in a zone and those two are kind of lurking around, it's going to be real easy to make the wrong read and get a pass deflected or a passing lane jumped or something like that. And so I think there's a great deal of exciting stuff that we can do with zone defenses that I'm excited to see us kind of go down that path. So yeah, question for you on that. It certainly isn't refined, but what do you think about our increasing use of zone defense? I think it's good. I was surprised that OKC didn't have it scouted, that the Lakers were going to go zone out of timeouts. They seem confused on a couple of different occasions where the Lakers are in a zone after a timeout where that's kind of been a staple for them. They've they've been doing that a fair amount. Um, So one possession, OKC comes out and they're trying to run this elaborate play and no one's moving and they look confused like... (laughs) That's something I learned, just a quick aside as as a coach, running zone offense play or running man offense plays against zone and vice versa. There are some that overlap, but there's a reason coaches do that out of timeouts because it is just a big old wrench in what you want to do. Yeah. So I think I'm interested to see if the Lakers can continue with their aggressiveness and their ability to match up in, in a zone. There were a couple of times where Rui seemed to be asking a lot of questions as to <laughs> who had who on perimeter situations yes, because OKC was doing a very good job of spreading out the zone. And so there, like there was that, there were a couple of possessions in the fourth quarter when the Lakers went back to their base lineup where it's like, okay, Vando's out of the game now, Prince is back in, Rui's out, and it's like, well, should you be in a zone with this group? Because that group didn't have the size and the length and like the motor that some of the other players did, which I think is going to be important for a zone. Like, if you don't have the foot speed to track, okay, well, if, but if you're big and you're long and your closeouts have to be a certain way, and it's Rui who's like, oh, like I'm now closing out to you and I'm just a bigger player than Austin Reeves if he has to make that 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 same rotation. I think the Lakers need to be more judicious while also exploiting the times in which they use use their zone, like if that makes sense. And so it's like, I'm glad they have it as, as a pitch. And I think that there are times where they can sit in it for extended stretches, but there are going to be times where it's just like, just because we were in a zone with this group, when you go back to a new group, mm-hmm. it's not like let's still sit in the zone, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's it's something that I think is is going to be best in in smaller doses, but I do think it's going to be an important pitch for the, the Lakers to be able to throw. Um, going to wrap up here. Shout out to D'Lo, who was great at 39 against Utah, kept the Lakers in that game and has been a huge, uh, has been really helpful in facilitating a lot of the great offense that we saw this weekend. Uh, Let's get into him uh, soon in in one of the next pods. It was my favorite Austin game in a long time. I thought he defended well. He was disruptive, took a charge. And I think that reflected in his plus minus. so something to possibly build off of. Lakers got a game tomorrow against Dallas. The Lakers always seem to play kind of the same game against Dallas, and it doesn't work out quite the same way. So let's see if, if we can figure out the riddle that the basketball gods have put in front of us and get a win against Dallas. We will be back 
possibly tomorrow, maybe Thursday. But until then, you've been listening to the Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane, back for Gasol, pretty pass, and it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant, picked up by Bell. There's the move, two, one, miss it! Unbelievable, it's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant, yes! And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.